From ancient times, the Liturgy of the Hours has served as the public and communal prayer of God's people. It has been called the Vox Sponsae, the voice of a bride, addressed to her bridegroom. It is the very prayer which Christ himself, together with his church, offers to the Father for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. Hey everyone, you're listening to Vogue Sponsae, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours brought to you by the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours as the public and communal prayer of the Catholic Church. My name is Nathan Wigfield, and I serve as the director of our retreat center, and I'm usually joined by my good friend Gabriel from Seattle, Washington, but he's not able to be with us today. Truthfully, over the past month, we've really been struggling to sync our schedules and kind of work to, uh, work together to plan a time for us to do the podcast uh, together, and we just haven't been able to do it this month. So uh, we're hoping to have him back uh, in the coming weeks, uh, but for now, I thought I'd uh, go ahead and continue with our series of podcasts on the general instructions on the Liturgy of the Hours. So thank you for being patient. If you've been looking forward to and just and waiting for another podcast to come out, uh, we've really been overwhelmed by uh, just the number of downloads that we've had, the number of responses, people emailing us, and uh, so really thankful that you have uh, been listening and look forward to providing some more podcasts for you. So again, our apologies uh, for, for a little bit of a delay since our last episode. As you know, if you've been so if you've subscribed to our podcast and uh, have been listening, last episode we had the opportunity to interview uh, Father Timothy Gallagher. Uh, Father Gallagher is just a wonderful priest, wonderful spiritual director, very well known throughout the United States and and all over the world, and uh, and we were really thankful to be able to interview him on his work on the Liturgy of the Hours. And I think uh, one of the things that really came through that interview t- uh, for me is uh, is just his heartfelt love and devotion uh, for the prayer of the Church. And so I was really thankful to be able to uh, be able to have him on our podcast. I hope you were able to enjoy that episode as well. If you haven't listened to that episode and you're just kind of joining us uh, now, uh, go back and uh, and check that out. It was just about a month ago. I think in the middle of May that uh, that we interviewed Father Gallagher. So, uh, just a couple of announcements before we begin our episode on or begin our conversation really on the general instructions at our retreat center here in northwestern Pennsylvania, in the diocese of Erie. We are now open for retreats. We're really thankful that we can now open our doors uh, for groups of up to 15 people. Uh, this, of course, is in compliance with uh, state guidelines. And uh, and so if you would like to book a retreat, whether that's in the near future or down the road, uh, please contact us. Reach out to us. You can uh, email us at info at liturgyofthehours.org. You can also um, call us, 814-676-1910. Uh, we'd love to get you on the calendar. Uh, also, we're taking personal retreats. Uh, the best time for personal retreats is during the week, but when we do have weekends open, uh, we can take personal retreats as well. Uh, so please uh, get in contact with us if that's something, if you're in the area and you'd like to join us uh, for a retreat. Lastly, in just a little over a week, we're going to be having our second Liturgy of the Hours workshop here at the House of Prayer. Uh, this is going to be on Saturday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m., 
We'll begin with midday prayer, have lunch. We'll then have some sessions on the history and theology of the Liturgy of the Hours, a practical guide and a walkthrough for how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, and then a Q&A session. So if you are in the area and you'd like to join us for that workshop, we'd love to have you. It's $30 per person. Uh, we still have room for it. Uh, we also have some rooms that we're setting aside uh, for participants in the workshop. So if you'd like to stay Friday night uh, or if you'd like to stay Saturday night or both, uh, you can certainly do that. So if you would like to sign up for, for the workshop, uh, just reach out to us, send us an email, give us a phone call, and uh, we'd love to get you get you signed up and get you on the list. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into our episode on the general instructions. We are in paragraph 12, and the topic here in paragraph 12 is the relationship between the Liturgy of the Hours and the Eucharist. And this is a really important chapter, and when I say chapter, I just mean a couple paragraphs here, uh, but this really gets at the heart and soul of why the Liturgy of the Hours is so important and is such a, is an inseparable component of the Sacred Liturgy as a whole. So uh, before we move on, let me go ahead and read the, these paragraphs for us, and then we'll break them down a little bit. So it says in the General Instructions, paragraph 12, to the different hours of the day, the Liturgy of the Hours extends the praise and thanksgiving, the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, the petitions, and the foretaste of heavenly glory that are present in the Eucharistic mystery, the center and high point in the whole life of the Christian community. The Liturgy of the Hours is in turn an excellent preparation for the celebration of the Eucharist itself, for it inspires and deepens in a fitting way the dispositions necessary for the fruitful celebration of the Eucharist, faith, hope, love, devotion, and a spirit of self-denial. So as I take a look at this paragraph, one of the things that immediately stands out is that the Liturgy of the Hours extends it extends the praise and thanksgiving, the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, the petitions, and the foretaste of heavenly glory that are present in the Eucharist. It extends these, diff these various components of the Eucharistic mystery. And if, if the Eucharistic mystery is the center and high point in the whole life of the Christian community, I immediately I want to know how is it that I can extend that? How can I extend that into the different hours of the day? Because certainly I know that when I go to Mass, that there's a lot of importance around the Mass, that they that it's important for me to prepare myself uh, both by uh both by practicing or honoring the Eucharistic fast. It's important for me to be prepared through confession that I might be in a state of grace and receive worthily the Holy Eucharist. Uh, it's important for me to enter into Mass as prayerfully as possible, because while I'm there for, let's say, that hour, um, I want to be as engaged as I can in what is happening and what's going on. And then, of course, after Mass, it's important for me to to remain in the church, to, to pray, to offer an act of thanksgiving, to really have intimate communion with the Lord. 
Of course, this is uh, hard for me these days with uh, with kids running around the pews and everything. But uh, nonetheless, it's an effort that we make. It's an effort that we make because we know how important the Eucharistic celebration is. We know how important the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is. But then once we go on from there and we continue throughout our day, how is it that we can carry, how is it that we can take the Eucharistic celebration, how is it that we can take the graces that we've received in the Mass and continue them and extend them throughout the day? I think that's a great, that's a, that's a great question. And that's the answer that the church is providing for us is the liturgy of the hours. The liturgy of the hours is the extension of the Eucharistic celebration. It extends the various components of the Eucharistic celebration to the various hours of the day. And so as we read here in, the, in this paragraph, it extends the praise and thanksgiving, the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, the petitions, and the foretaste of heavenly glory that are present in the Eucharistic mystery. So if you look in the catechism, there's four components to the Eucharistic celebration that it focuses on. There's four headings. And if you look at paragraphs uh, 1356 through 1381, this is where you'll find this, that the sacramental sacrifice, it says in the catechism, consists of thanksgiving, memorial, and presence. Thanksgiving, memorial, and presence. And then it breaks this down in terms of first praise and thanksgiving. Then we have the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, followed by petitions, and lastly, the foretaste of heavenly glory. So these four these four headings, I just want to kind of break these down. So in the catechism, if we're going to look, what, what, is, what is praise? What is praise and thanksgiving? So in the catechism, it says that praise is the form of prayer which recognizes most immediately that God is God. It louds God for his own sake and gives him glory quite beyond what he does, but simply because he is. Praise embraces the other forms of prayer and carries them toward him who is its source and goal. So the praise that we give to God in the Eucharistic celebration, in the Eucharistic sacrifice, is a praise that louds God for his own sake. It gives him glory for who he is. It recognizes that God is God and that there is no other. And we seek to join ourselves through the Mass, through the Eucharistic sacrifice, we offer ourselves in union with Christ for the praise and the glory of God. You know, St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, he says that we have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of God's glory. That's Ephesians 1.12. Not just to speak his praises, but to actually live for his praise and his glory. Psalm 106 is a beautiful psalm. I think we have it in the Office of Readings. And every time we get to it, it just always strikes uh, strikes me to the heart. It says, O Lord our God, save us. Bring us together from among the nations that we may thank your holy name and make it our glory to praise you. Make it our glory to praise you. 
It is our glory to give praise to God. And and we're able to do that perfectly in the Mass because ultimately in the Mass, it's not our praise. It's the praise that Christ renders to the Father. And it is it is by virtue of his sacrificial offering that is made present on our altars that we are able to join ourselves, join our praise to his praise. He perfects our praise. He unites our praise to his praise, and it becomes a worthy offering to the Father. And so if this happens in the Mass, how can it possibly be continued? How can it be extended throughout the day? Well, the church has given us, Christ himself has given us the gift of the divine office, of the liturgy of the hours. Christ has given us this gift through his church that we might be able to join ourselves to his praise throughout the entire day, to praise him without ceasing. The Catechism also says that the Eucharist is the sacrifice of praise by which the church sings the glory of God in the name of all creation. The sacrifice of praise is only possible through Christ. He unites the faithful to his person, to his praise, and to his intercession, so that this sacrifice of praise to the Father is offered through Christ and with him to be accepted in him. And this just really kind of hit, hits home at this reality that it is that the true sacrifice of praise is only possible through Christ. Christ's sacrifice of praise is the only worthy sacrifice of praise. It is the true sacrifice of praise, and we are joined to his praise through the Mass. And this is extended, this grace of being joined to the praise of Christ is extended throughout the day through the Liturgy of the Hours. What a gift. I mean, this is it's astounding when you think about it that that when we pause throughout the day to pray the liturgy of the hours that we're participating in Christ's own sacrifice of praise which is inseparable from what happens on the on our altars in the holy sacrifice of the mass also want to say something about thanksgiving because the catechism says that thanksgiving like praise characterizes the prayer of the church which in celebrating the Eucharist reveals and becomes more fully what she is. So it's through praise and thanksgiving that the church becomes more fully what she is. St. Ignatius of Loyola, actually I got this from uh, an interview that I watched in preparing for Father Gallagher's interview. I was uh, watching some of his other interviews that, uh, that he had done in the past and I heard him state in one of those interviews, or maybe it was a a video that he had put together on the Liturgy of the Hours, but he had said that he had quoted St. Ignatius of Loyola, who said, Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. And Ignatius of Loyola goes on to say, And the other things on the face of the earth are created for man, and that they may help him in prosecuting the end for which he is created. So everything is given to us, everything else is given to us to serve this end, that we might praise God and in so doing save our soul. 
there's a one of the common prefaces in the mass uh number four actually says uh it, it states something so beautiful i remember the first time i had heard it. i even remember the priest who was saying mass when i heard this preface i just it caught me it caught my attention it made me pause and really just contemplate the the depth of what was being said here but it says in the common preface in common preface four of the mass for although you have no need of our praise yet our thanksgiving is itself your gift our thanksgiving is itself a gift that god has given us it goes on and says since our praises add nothing to your greatness our praises add nothing to god's greatness but rather profit us for our salvation through Christ our Lord. So thanksgiving and praise is itself God's gift to us. They don't add anything anything to God's greatness. God doesn't need our praise and thanksgiving, but they are given to us in order to profit us for salvation. And this is only accomplished through Christ when our praise and thanksgiving are united to that of Christ. And this happens, of course, in the Mass and is extended through the Liturgy of the Hours. Lastly, on this point, there's a wonderful quote that I came across uh, some months ago by St. Alcuin of York. And he says this, Nothing in this mortal life makes us able to inhabit God more intimately than does praising Him. Nothing in this mortal life makes us able to inhabit God more intimately than does praising Him. Let us move on to this uh, this second component, the second component of the Eucharistic celebration and how it, this, this is then extended through the liturgy of the hours into the time of each day. The second component is the memorial of the mysteries of salvation. So first, the liturgy of the hours extends the praise and thanksgiving contained in the Eucharistic sacrifice. Now we're on to the liturgy of the hours extends the memorial of the mysteries of salvation that we celebrate in the Mass. You know, through the liturgical year, we enter into the mystery of Christ, beginning with his incarnation that we prepare ourselves for during Advent and celebrate at Christmas, the Epiphany, Christ's passion, death, and resurrection in Lent and Easter, his ascension into heaven, and then what we just recently celebrated, the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And in these mysteries of Christ's own life, we are able, as we celebrate them liturgically, we're able to enter into the mystery of those. Uh, we're able to enter into them more fully. We're able to to participate in them and to receive grace from them. You know, Blessed Columba Marmion states that the church not only gives us each year a living representation of the life of our bridegroom. So not only, you know, we're not just talking about a symbolic kind of portrayal of Christ's life, but the church makes us penetrate as far as the creature is able to penetrate into the very soul of Christ, so that reading his inmost dispositions, we may share them. We may share these mysteries of his life and be more intimately united to our divine head. 
He then goes on to say that each of Christ's mysteries is not only an object of contemplation for the mind, not just something for us to sit and kind of dwell on in prayer, a kind of remembrance we evoke, the better to praise God and thank him for what he's done for us. These are good things to do, but it's more. Columba Marmion says, it's something more. Each of these mysteries, he says, constitutes for a soul having faith, a participation in the different states of the incarnate word. And so if we break that down, we say, we say that when we celebrate the liturgy, and in the liturgy, we're celebrating the mysteries, the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, that we actually are able to, we're, through the liturgy, we enter into the, the depths of the reality of those mysteries. We actually penetrate into the various states in life, in the mysteries of Christ's own life, and receive grace from them. You know, it's like, um, you know, I remember uh, reading uh, in, I think it was uh, in a book that would talked about the Jewish context of New Testament times and um, and the Abrahamic faith that really kind of undergirded, the Hebraic kind of faith that undergirded uh, all of what Jesus said and did, you know, of course, as a Jewish rabbi. And one of the things that I remember reading about, this was some time ago, is about how for, for the Jewish people, whenever they would gather for Passover, you know, they would not only recollect the fact that God had delivered their forefathers, had delivered their ancestors from the hands of Pharaoh and from slavery in Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea and into the land of the promise. They would not only recollect this as a as an event of the distant past, but they would actually they would see that it was they themselves on this night of Passover, it was the, they themselves who were united with their ancestors in their deliverance. And together it was God who delivered them as well as those who were celebrating Passover some thousand, two thousand years later. And this is a, a beautiful thing. When we talk about memorial, when we talk about memorial in uh, you know, Catholic or even in Jewish, uh, Jewish thought, we're not just talking about a remembrance. We're not talking about a symbolic representation, a recollection, a vague, abstract kind of a recalling of past events. What we're what we're doing in the in a memorial is we're entering into the reality of what has taken place. We're able to. It's a. It's the sacrament. The memorial itself through the liturgy becomes a sacrament by which we enter into and participate in what has ha- already happened. And so when we talk about the memorial of the mysteries of salvation in the liturgical year, whether we're talking about Christ's incarnation, his passion, death, resurrection, his ascension, the descent of the Holy Spirit, etc., no matter we're talking about entering into through the liturgy, entering into the states of life of, of Jesus Christ and being able to be joined to him in those states, even to penetrate, as Columba Marmion says, even to be able to penetrate into the depths of his soul, to receive grace and to, and to learn from and to be conformed even to his, his innermost dispositions. 
You know, this is a profound mystery. This is, a, this is something profound, but it's it's made possible through the liturgy. And certainly we do this at the Mass, but this is extended through the liturgy of the hours. You know, this is, especially in these past couple months, past few months, I don't know even how long it's been, uh, that we've had, you know, we've kind of been locked out of our churches. Thankfully, you know, now they're uh, opening up again. But one of the things that we kept stressing, and I think on this podcast, is that the Liturgy of the Hours really provided the faithful with really the only means to be be able to participate, to actually participate in the sacred liturgy. You know, we mentioned at times that they're, you know, even as, as good as having a live stream of Mass was, you know, certainly able to lift our, our hearts and our minds in prayer. There's, there's nothing, there's no, um, there's no substitution for actually being physically present at Mass and offering yourself with Christ on the altar and receiving Holy Communion. There's no substitution for that. But through the Liturgy of the Hours, while we're not able to be at Mass and to receive the Holy Eucharist, we are able to extend the Mass. We're able to participate in the Sacred Liturgy, and with that comes graces that are unique to the Liturgy, that are unique to that participation. And so it's through the Liturgy of the Hours that we're able to enter into these states of life of Christ. And especially as we're going through this during Lent and Easter, you know, the Liturgy of the Hours kept us in contact constant contact with Christ in the mystery of his passion, death, and resurrection, kept us in actual sacramental, liturgical contact with Christ in the mysteries of salvation. And that can, that comes with many graces, many graces, because, and because ultimately all the graces flow from the Eucharist. Third, we have the statement that the Liturgy of the Hours extends the petitions of the Mass, or the Eucharistic celebration. It says that by prayer of petition, this is from the Catechism, by prayer of petition, we express awareness of our relationship with God. We are creatures who are not our own beginning, not the masters of adversity, not our own last end. We are sinners who as Christians know that we have turned away from our Father. And so our petition, when we come to petition him, to beg him for mercy, is already a turning back to him. It says Christian petition is centered on the desire and search for the kingdom to come. And so there's this hierarchy in these petitions. It says we pray first for his kingdom, then for what is necessary to welcome it, and then that we might cooperate with its coming. And so the, the Mass, the liturgy itself, gives us, gives us the very things by which we are to petition God. It gives us the very formulas by which we are to beg God, to ask God, to turn to God in request for, or, or asking in desire for His kingdom to come that God might provide what is necessary for us to welcome his kingdom and to cooperate with its coming. You know, you think of St. Paul who says in Romans, I think it's Romans 8, can't quite remember, uh, but in, in his letter to the Romans, he says, we do not even know what to ask for. 
We do not, in prayer, we do not even know what to ask for, but the Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes for us. And where does the Spirit intercede for us but in the liturgy? Where has the Spirit given us the formulas by which to address God our Father through Christ but in the liturgy? And this is something that begins in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. This is something that we come to know, come to participate in in the Mass. But this is extended and given to us as an opportunity through the Liturgy of the Hours to do throughout the whole range of of each day. And so this is, you know, when we come to the Liturgy of the Hours, not only through the actual intercessions that uh, were given in morning and evening prayer, but in many, if not most of the Psalms, we are crying out to the Lord. We are petitioning Him. We are given the very words by which to to beg God for his mercy. And these aren't just, you know, keep in mind, these aren't just the words of the psalmist. These are the words that Christ himself took up. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just an easy example. But these are the very words, these are the very prayers that Christ himself took up in his earthly sojourn. These are the very words by which he addressed his Father in heaven. And so if they were good enough for Christ, then they're good enough for us. They're necessary for us. And so this is a great gift that the Liturgy of the Hours affords us to be able to to petition God in the words that he himself has given us. It is the perfect prayer, the perfect way by which we go to the Lord to beseech him. Lastly, the Liturgy of the Hours extends the foretaste of heavenly glory that is contained in the sacred liturgy that we come to know and participate in in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. There's this great, great paragraph in the dogmatic constitution on the sacred liturgy from the Second Vatican Council called Sacrosanctum Concilium. It's paragraph 8, and it says, In the earthly liturgy, we take part in a foretaste of that heavenly liturgy which is celebrated in the holy city of Jerusalem, toward which we journey as pilgrims, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, a minister of the holies and of the true tabernacle. We sing a hymn to the Lord's glory with all the warriors of the heavenly army. Venerating the memory of the saints, we hope for some part in fellowship with them. We eagerly await the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, until he, our life, shall appear, and we too will appear with him in glory. It's a beautiful, beautiful paragraph, powerful words. In the earthly liturgy, we take part in a foretaste of the heavenly liturgy. We're joined to all the angels and saints in hymning the Lord's glory. We venerate the memory of the saints, hoping for some part in fellowship with them. In hope, as we eagerly await the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, If this is true of the Mass, that we come to participate and are joined to the fellowship of saints, to the communion of saints as the church as a whole, the church militant, the church suffering, the church triumphant, joins in praising God, in offering right worship to God, 
if the earthly liturgy is a foretaste of that, is if the earthly liturgy is a participation in that heavenly liturgy, then to say that the liturgy of the hours extends this, then each time we pause throughout the day to pray the liturgy of the hours, we are taking part in the foretaste of the heavenly liturgy. We are doing what we have been created to do, which is to offer right worship to God. When we pray the liturgy of the hours, in other words, we begin to do now what we will be doing for all eternity, offering the sacrifice of praise. And I think this is why praying the liturgy of the hours is called, you know, this is from the general instructions, the greatest honor of Christ's spouse. It is the greatest honor of Christ's spouse to pray the liturgy of the hours because the offering of these praises to God, in offering these praises to God, we stand before God's throne even now, to give glory to God and to beg for and to petition him to intercede for the salvation of the whole world. And this is what we do every time we open up that, whether you're praying with the four volume, you know, whatever volume you're in or the Christian prayer book, every time we open those books up to pray or even pull up the Divine Office app, or whatever app you may have on your phone to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. Every time we do this, we are joined to the Heavenly Liturgy. We begin to do now what we will be doing for all eternity, offering the sacrifice of praise for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. This is astounding. This is, uh, if this is true, you know, we always say this here at the House of Prayers that, you know, it's either true or it's not true. You know, and if it's true, if this kind of stuff is true, then, man, it it really causes you to pause and to reflect on how, or, or maybe just even, even consider, how can I make this more a part of my life? How can I introduce this more into my life? Because I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that hymn of praise. I want to be part, I want to, I want to do now what I will be doing for all eternity. Even if it's just, you know, pausing for midday prayer and taking five to seven minutes a day or, you know, ending the day with night prayer or starting with morning prayer or whatever it is, however it is you can do that to open up the liturgy of the hours, you know, once, twice, three times, according to what you're able to do throughout the day to join the heavenly liturgy, to participate with Christ in offering that sacrifice of praise to the Father and all, of course, and all the saints to be joined to that perfect sacrifice of praise. I want that. I want that. I want to be part of that. And I hope you do too. Well, we haven't really gotten to the preparation for the celebration of the Eucharist, but I think I think this is a good place to, to pause. I think it's a good place to stop for today. Um, we've just gone through... Uh, most of, of paragraph 12, and just to recap, paragraph 12 and the part that we have covered today, it says, to the different hours of the day, the liturgy of the hours extends, the praise and thanksgiving, the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, the petitions and the foretaste of heavenly glory that are present in the Eucharistic ministry, mystery, which is the center and high point of the whole life of the Christian community. So, through the liturgy of the hours, we extend, we extend the various components to the Eucharistic mystery. 
We extend the praise and thanksgiving, the memorial of the mysteries of salvation, the petitions, the foretaste of heavenly glory that are all present in the Eucharist, which again is the center and high point of the whole life of the Christian community. So the liturgy that ours extends the center and high point of the whole life of the Christian community to all the hours of the day. It extends it. The grace to be gathered, to be received, the grace to be received through the liturgy of the hours is incomprehensible. It is the grace of the Holy Eucharist. It is the grace of Christ himself being joined to his praises, to be enjoined to his prayer that he offers the Father in communion with all the saints and angels in heaven, to be joined with his praise in his prayer. This gives us everything that we need. It gives us everything that we need in order to to know God, to love him, and to serve him so that we can be with him in this life and enjoy him in the next. So uh, that's all for today. Uh, That gets us uh, through paragraph 12. We're kind of inching through. I know this is episode 12, so it's kind of fitting, I guess, that uh, we're on paragraph 12. Uh, We'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, We have some different plans for uh, episodes going forward, so stay tuned to find out... uh, you know about interviews that we're going to be doing in the near future. Uh, we have some we have some lined up, some more interviews. We got some good feedback after our interview with Father Gallagher, and uh, want to do some more uh, down the road. So uh, stay tuned for that. But we will continue to move through the general instructions of the Liturgy of the Hours. Thanks so much for uh, listening today. I hope is was uh, beneficial for you. Hope to have Gabriel back uh, in in a couple weeks. Uh, it's always a joy to to be with him, and I think it's. Uh, he kind of balances me out a little bit. So, um, so yeah, so bear with us. Uh, thanks again for your patience. And why don't we go ahead and end with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. To the most holy and undivided Trinity, to the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ crucified, to the fruitful virginity the most blessed and glorious Mary ever virgin, and to the whole company of the saints. Be everlasting praise, honor, and glory by all creatures, and to us remission of all all of our sins, world without end. Amen. Thank you for listening to Vox Sponse, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours brought to you by the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours the public and communal prayer of the Catholic Church. For more information, visit us online at liturgyofthehours.org.